The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 102 for May 7th, 2007. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the show. I'm Dave Hamilton, of course. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. You're getting kind of lazy there. 102? Come on, 102. It's not 102. If we're going to be geeks, it's 102, because 102 indicates that the 2 is after the decimal point. Huh? The and means decimal point. Come on, you're a math guy. You should know this stuff. No, it doesn't. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's point. All this and mo- no, the and indicates the point. That's how I was always taught. We have more geek grammar coming up in uh, today's show. We have lots of your questions talking about uh, optical audio, uh, mime types, and how to use iWeb with uh, different web servers other than .Mac. Uh, talking about dealing with DVD regions, and uh, I think the thing we're going to start with as soon as we start here, John is uh, continuing our discussion on, on the alt function keys because that was so much fun. Did you uh, did you have a good weekend, John? Yes, I did. Good. But the trees are attacking my car. Yeah, that happens. We, we raked our yard yesterday. And all that. Uh, it's not leaves. It's just other tree things covering the car. It's yellow now. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. All right, let's get let's get into this. I'm sure we'll have plenty of time. So uh, I don't know who you are that, that sent in this audio comment, but that's okay. Good afternoon, professors, Ron and Hamilton. I just wanted to leave a little comment on the latest uh, podcast 101. Um, you're talking about keyboard shortcuts and hitting the alt or option key and typing some of the F keys to get some secret commands to launch system preferences, and you were mentioning that on the desktops, it does not work. In fact, it does. However, as opposed to hitting the F1 through 12 keys, if you do, if you have the Apple Extended Keyboard or the Apple Pro Keyboard, as it's now known, if you type, I believe it's 13, 14, and 15, you'll at least get your display preferences. So I think you should try that. Love the podcast. Bye. Yeah, and uh, and then we got an. Uh, an email here as well from Jason, and actually not just Jason, for many, many uh, of you. And Jason says, you talked about the option alt key with some of the function keys, F3, 4, 5, opens the sound system prefs on Mac laptops. That's because when you hold opt and press one of the keyboard keys that modifies the audio or screen brightness, then OS ten opens the related pref pane for that function. And he's right. The, 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 the pref pane that opens is not so much related to the F... Uh, label of the function key, but rather it's its other label. Mm-hmm. So he says, those same key combos didn't work for you on the Apple desktop, uh, on the desktop Apple Pro keyboard, but try the opt plus the volume keys. And uh, and he's right. If you hold down uh, alt or option and the volume keys, the sound pref comes up. And then like uh, our first caller said there, holding down opt and uh, F13, 14, and 15 uh, opens up the uh, the the display control panel so uh, mm-hmm. why do i always yeah. call it control panel this system preference pane but there you go uh, uh, habits die hard but yeah. i didn't even notice that those icons were on the uh i know yeah it was like we missed it i know so, uh, it's great so that's pretty obvious that's a, a nice feature and i think it even works yeah so like alt uh, f7 i think which has a little monitor i think that also eh, maybe it doesn't yeah on the, on, the, on the laptop it should and then alex who is one of the ones that wrote in 
with the same thing that Jason said, also says, try, try this. Hold Alt and Command, and then click on an open or closed app. When that app comes to the front, it will hide others. And he's talking about in the dock here. Uh, on a tangent, command clicking on a dock, dock app, docked app will reveal it in the Finder. So if you want to know where your uh, you know copy of Skype is, hold down Command, hit the copy of Skype, and then bam, it just brings it up. And that's actually something I, I didn't know that trick, and I wound up doing the control or right click to bring up the menu and choose Show and Finder. So uh, I think I'll I'll wind up using that one quite a bit. So thank you, Alex. Yeah, and I think yeah, you just gotta hold hold the I guess the primary mouse button for mm -hmm. a couple of seconds on something in the dock, and then you get this menu, which I notice is one of the newer menus because if you hit Alt or uh, Option, it, it changes live from hide to hide others and force uh, quit to force quit, which you hopefully never have to do. But oh, I, I yeah, wind I up force quitting all the time. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's missed... my preferred way of quitting from apps, actually. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I, I don't have the uh. You know, extended keyboard because uh, well, I have one, but unfortunately, I, I found out something very important. It doesn't like Coke, uh, or other you know, recreational beverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do beer. it. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, short Be it up. Beer? Really? I would think keyboards. That, I, I keyboards guess, don't like beer. I guess all the sugar in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's sugar and yeah. all the other good things. So actually, what well, I'm the, using the right alcohol now is would actually be good for it, right? I mean, it would clean the components it's all the stuff that's along with the yeah. alcohol so like yeah. the uh, the sugar <laughs> like the sugar and all yeah. that yeah. um but what i'm using right now so even though i have the uh you know a, a power mac here i'm using an old uh it's actually from a green imac i just happen to have sitting around hmm. which is only uh 12 function keys and no volume keys it's kind of a mini keyboard. oh that's right it doesn't it doesn't have the yeah. numeric keypad on it right yeah, or I guess you can do numlock. And, uh, right. No, it has a numeric keypad, but, oh, it, does. Uh, but okay. it doesn't have the extended. There's that block of six there, like delete, insert. Yep. Uh, all that, well, it has a subset of it, but yeah. Okay. So, so it doesn't have 13, 14, 15, Got which it. the newer one does. The, okay. Yeah, that's right, the Apple Pro keyboard. All right, uh, so let's move on to some of the uh, n new questions, as it were, the new topics. Shin writes in, Dear John and Dave, I'm writing in regards to your response to John Green's email in the previous podcast about digital out on his Mac Pro. I have a white MacBook, and I noticed that the audio in and audio out part ports are combined digital slash analog, according to Apple. Could you explain what this is? I have only used these ports to connect my headphones, and it had me wondering after your gab about surround sound last week. I'm especially interested because I have a receiver slash amplifier with a Toastlink optical in, which is currently used to connect to my DVD player. Could I use the Toastlink optical audio cable to connect to my MacBook? I note that the ports are different to the one used on the amp. Is there a jack or an adapter to make it possible to connect to the MacBook? And if I can, is this the same? The is is this the same case with the iMac and the Mac Mini? Uh, huh. so so yeah. Let, let's talk about what that Toastlink connector is. It's it's that uh, sort of D-shaped. Uh, audio uh, uh, optical connector with the little red light on the end, or at least red light when it's connected to one end or the other of the chain. Oh, okay. I have one of those on, on my machine here, my desktop. I think you do too, don't you? Or do you have something different? And uh, I noticed I also have one on the, on the back of my PlayStation. But I think right. the original intent, uh, Toast being Toshiba, is that it was a, a connector that they used to communicate among their audio equipment, and everybody gets jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, you know, focusing on that standard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess that's only one form of the connector. So it can look like, like you said, a square, and you'll usually see a reddish light. 
That's right. I guess if you have the right cable, it, it uh, opens up that port. And I guess it's either glass or plastic uh, fiber cable. But but I think there's uh, another option, as the uh, question kind of hints at. Yeah, well, th- there is. It, you, there's a, um, and I've got it in my notes here to make sure I got it right. There's a Toslink slash mini plug adapter um, that will let you plug into your MacBook Pro and MacBook and iMac and Mac Mini and the uh, Mac Pro. I, I think, actually, the Mac Pro has the, a separate um optical output it's got the same toslink adapter but this the, the audio ports on your your macbook there shin have they've actually got this red light inside them they've got the optical connector it's all the way at the end and so you you have a special audio cable that plugs in and opens that up and then shines the light out and actually while i did some research on this john i found a couple of folks that uh were unable to uh, hear audio out of their Mac because this port had jammed open and they had to, you know, fish around mm-hmm. in there to, to force the thing closed or whatever. So, um, but that doesn't seem to be a, a huge issue. The big issue, and, and this will work, it, it'll totally trans, transmit audio from your, you know, your your Mac to whatever amplifier or, tr- or decoder I you're read using. some things about cables. I don't know okay. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know. They were talking about cable lengths and that I guess, I don't know, mm. they see something in the order of 5 to 10 feet that you That's don't want to get too carried away. That's right. Um, so in this case, I guess because it is light and the light, you know, diminishes, uh, you either need, well, I guess they have repeaters, you know, fiber repeaters. Okay. So yeah. uh, I don't, yeah, so that could be rough depending on your, your setup. So, uh, you know, especially if you're going across, well, no, then you'd probably use analog. Duh. So yeah. you just use this to carry the, uh, then you just speaker wire for then the Then speaker thing, wire, right. In, in okay. the end, so all five, audio five, is feet. in the end, all mm. audio is analog. Mm. It has to I'll, be. I'll I'll go with you on that. Yeah, unless unless your ears are digital, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. No, that's right. We weren't, weren't born that way. Maybe tomorrow's next generation of kids. Uh, the, now the issue here with this, okay, so yes, the Mac can spit out uh, a signal uh, over this audio uh, over this optical connection. So you've got digital audio coming in and out of your Mac. When you're going out, though, QuickTime currently doesn't support more than two channels. Uh, huh? Yeah. Only right and left? That's right. So if you're playing a movie, let's say, for example, now and let me complete the thought here. So you, uh, if you play a movie with the DVD player, Dapple's DVD player or VLC player, they're mm-hmm. smart enough to bypass QuickTime and talk directly to the audio hardware. And... That way you'll get your full sound out. So if you put a DVD in your Mac or load a video TS folder, but you're using DVD player or VLC player, uh, they will spit out full, you know, whatever you got, 6.1 audio, uh, presumably, maybe even more than that. However, if let's say you rip it with, you know, handbrake and keep all that sound in there or download a movie trailer from the Apple store, uh, it has all that 5.1 audio, but... If you play it with QuickTime on your Mac, it will not spit it out. Now, of course, the reason that they put the the 5.1 in the movie trailers is because the Apple TV does support it. And once you port that thing over to the TV, QuickTime doesn't muck with the file. It just does it on the fly. It converts it down to two-channel. QuickTime isn't fully decoding the audio signal? Actually, it is fully decoding it, and it is submixing it down to two channels. It's actually doing more work than than it needs to. In this in this instance, anyway. Now the interesting thing is, if you, I, I and I'm pretty sure about this. I, I think I read this right, but if I get this wrong, l- let us know. I think if you use a third party decoder, 
um, like like we mentioned last week, those QuickTime will support for full out. But with the, the internal connectors, it, it'll submix it down to two channel regardless. So it's an oversight, clearly, and one that I'm guessing will, you know, be patched up or, or uh, opened up rather going forward. Oh, okay. And there was something a little confusing on the Apple site. I went to the specification site, which is a nice place to go to learn about your computer. But I looked yep. up the specs on mine, and it said I had a S slash PDIF port. And I'm like, hmm? Yep. Which is Sony slash Philips digital interface format. And apparently that's related. Well, yep. not re- it, it, it's, I think it's kind of like TCP IP for, for sound data. Okay. It's and like- what I found interesting about that is Toastlink is one of... The, uh, so this gets back to some things I think you and I ran ran across when we hooked up our uh, brand spec and new digital TiVos, which can now take an external drive. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put one of those terabyte. We'll put it. We'll put a link to there. that for those of you that have series series three TiVos. John found a I think an Engadget article that, that yeah. talks about how to add that. But that's just a tangent. So moving along. Yeah, and the other tangent was I guess you can use other uh, transports instead of uh, fiber, like uh, I guess RCA. Uh, RCA cable or BNC cable can sure. also carry digital audio. It's uh, just digital. It doesn't matter. Is, yep. uh, as long as you got a good cable. Uh, some yeah. people, yeah, you know, there's still, I don't know, we, some people feel differently about cables, whether you've got to spend a lot on a, a cable or just, you know, make sure it's not too long. For digital stuff, I've I, and we use, we have uh, a couple of components, and we, for some of them uh, we use, I think for our DVD player, we, we use an RCA cable, and maybe for the TiVo, we use the, the uh, optical cable, and mm-hmm. it sounds fine. It's the same either way. It's you know, it's digital, right? So as long as the cable's good enough to transmit the signal, there's, yep. you know, it, that's it. That's my feeling, anyway. Okay, so I may have to hop into that world, because right now, none of my uh, digital oh. sound ports are talking anything. I told you, man. The only reason you don't have digital sound is because you've never experienced it in your home, and once you do, you'll you'll be hooked. Speaking, so I got to get one of those decoders. Okay. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of di- of sound, uh, di- digital sound, uh, our sponsor for this week's show is Audible. Available, of course, at audible.com. But if you click through the link in our show notes, you uh, qualify for a 14 day free trial of Audible Listener Gold, and that comes with one free download. Now, this is cool. Uh, the way Audible works is you go to the website, you sign in, you know, and you pick what you want, and it downloads as a an attachment, you know, just a file in Safari, and then opens up in iTunes. And iTunes authenticates with the Audible servers so that, you know, they make sure you're you, and it knows that you've played the file, and this, that, and the other thing. But it just totally works. It's like any other file in iTunes. It syncs to your iPod. You can burn it to CD. There's over 35,000 titles to choose from at Audible. I downloaded a Steve Martin book today that I bought for a car ride. I got to go visit my brother who is actually very ill down in, in uh, Connecticut. But uh, so, you know, I'll listen to that on the way down. Totally seamless, integrates very well with the Mac and uh, lots of great stuff out there. The uh, How to Survive a Robot Uprising is out there. Uh, the IWAS book, Stephen Levy's The Perfect Thing About the iPod. The uh, Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, all available at audible.com. But you got to click the link in the show notes if you want that one free download to try it out. So audible.com. And with that, we will move on to our uh, our grammar lesson for the week. Hi, John and Dave. This is uh, Matt from Bristol in the UK. Um, I've got a point uh, which is a grammar point as well as a geek point. 
Um, shouldn't the plural of MacBook Pro be MacBooks Pro rather than MacBook Pros? Because the pro is kind of an adjective, isn't it? So it's uh, it's a bit like mothers-in-law or courts martial. Anyway, um, I just wanted to uh, hear your thoughts on the matter. Cheers. <laughs> Geek grammar um, of the week. Uh, uh, you take. What, what do you think, John? I'm gonna have to say MacBook Pros. Yeah, I I, I would I, put that whole thing. To me, that's one unit. That's the entire name of the product. Though, right. unfortunately, they also have MacBooks, which, of course, you have no choice. You have to say MacBooks. But MacBook Pros, to me, that's the entire term. Yeah, it's I, a, I it's a proper name. About, yeah. Yeah, and I think that case is so. Pro is not so much a yeah. It is an it can be an adjective, I guess. But, right. Yeah, I, I I think I'll go with 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 you on this one, John. It's Mac Pros or MacBook Pros, but uh, I, I like so that. I like it, that thinking it, though, because that it, I, I'm a I'm a grammar geek. I I I love this stuff. So I, I I don't know. I like this stuff. Well, they may maybe that's how they say it over there. I mean, they they do drive on the other side of the road, so maybe the rules are. I don't know. It could be. I could be. Yeah. Oh, a... man, I hope I never have to go to a, a country where I have to drive on the left side. I oh, just... yeah, forget it, man. Hire a driver. Enjoy yeah. <laughs> enjoy your iPod in the back. You can watch the movies and everything. Just hire a driver. It's, it's The world's safer that way. Uh, Jeff writes in and says, I'm a teacher, and I've just started using iWeb to make a site for my students. I plan on having tutorial podcasts for them, but I've been having problems creating my own podcast using iWeb. I've been using GarageBand to create the enhanced.m4a file, then create the podcast page in iWeb. After that, I publish the site to a folder and then upload it using Cyberduck to the online site. Here's where it gets weird. Locally, on the hard drive, the site works perfectly. However, on the actual site, the podcast page is there, but the media is broken QuickTime. Actually, the preview.png is there, but the QuickTime play button scroll bar isn't there and therefore won't play. I also have a .Mac account. When I publish directly to my .Mac account, the podcast works. When I publish to a folder and then upload to another site, the podcast doesn't work. I've also made an AIF file in GarageBand for testing purposes, uploaded it, and it worked fine on any server. So it seems that only .M4As won't work. I'm confused. Please help. I think I know the answer, John. I think it has to do with something called MIME types. Uh, you MIME? Wanna, you want to tell them what... Yeah, like, that's right. We, we could do the show in MIME, but it'd be really, really boring. Oh, those! Oh, that right. Mime. What, <laughs> That's what not it, what I meant. You tell them what mime yeah. types are. Mime. Here we go. So this is like the uh, the part of the plumbing of the internet that you really don't want to see, but it, it's how things happen. And mime is multi-purpose internet mail extensions. And really, what it is, it's very simple, is that it's a, a pair of words that describe some aspects of a piece of content, either through, as the name implies, mail, though of course they're also used for serving web pages. And if you looked at a web page, and you can do this, if, for example, you fire up Telnet, and Telnet to port 80, which is the port used by web servers, if you Telnet to a web server, with, um, you know, you can do that from the command line. Yeah, in the, the terminal. terminal. Yeah. Terminal, um, once you get there, it'll say a few things, and then it's waiting for you to say something. Now, if you had a browser, it would do this automatically, of course, since you're connecting. Just typing, what you got to do is type the word get, space, and then a slash. That's saying, hey, you know, give me what's, uh, you know, at the top level, and you'll get a whole bunch of text, and this is really what your browser is interpreting. Now, part of a lot of that text, whenever it involves either text, for example, or a graphic, or another piece of information, you will always have somewhere, and I think the HTML tag is content, um, 
Content type. Okay. Content, content type. Yeah. Right. So content type, that's saying, all right, here's a little hint as to uh, what this is. And it could be text slash plain for text, uh, image slash JPEG, or, or all of that. But in this case, for an audio file, and I think you... Uh, you hit on it, Dave, is that it's not sending the right type, so the uh, machine usually is not smart enough, though you would think with a, a suffix it could figure it out, but I guess well, these are just the rules, the... is mime types have to uh, be there, otherwise the default, it, it may kind of give up. I think actually defaults to text if it's nothing, which... Uh, T typically is... a web server is set to default to text slash HTML, I think, uh, or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or simply just text. Um, and you said it should be able to tell with the suffix. Well, there's a caveat there as long as that suffix is in the server's mime type definition file and it's clear that that is that is exactly the problem here right mp3 and aif presumably and png and anything else uh, that he mentioned there is in the server's mime type definition file so when the server sees one of these files it says okay you know uh mp3 what is that? It's audio slash MPEG. Got it. I know what to do with those files. I pass them through this way, and boom, the, the browser knows what to do. When it sees an M4A file, that definition isn't in the server uh, configuration, and it doesn't know what to do. Now, presumably, you don't own this server, Jeff, and you can't manage it. Uh, so you're not... The chances of you being able to change the server-wide MIME types are nil, right? Very limited. And that's good because you don't want all the other people using this server being able to do that. However, Apache, assuming that you're using Apache on this server uh, or something that, that interprets Apache uh, or interprets, works the way Apache does, often allows you to use, redefine this stuff in your own directory. Uh, so if you go to the folder, you know, you've built this site on your hard drive and then you're uploading it if you go to the folder that contains the m4a file or any folder above it and add a file called dot ht access h-t-a-c-c-e-s-s and in that file you will have one line and the line is add type with capital a and t and those are the only capitals in the line so add type space audio slash mpeg space and then dot m4a and that will tell apache look when you see a dot m4a file it's audio MPEG. Trust me on this. Pass it along. And my guess is if, if the server is set to, to see those .ht access files, which, which most web servers are to allow this sort of thing, you'll be in good shape. So pegs the geek meter a little, but uh, hopefully it solves Jeff's problem and, and gets, uh, now, gets those podcasts yeah. out there. Yeah. And I wonder if uh, – I'll mention this just as – it mm -hmm. was going through my head here, but changing the file suffix to something else that whoever's looking for it. You could change no. it to MP3, but it... That's it, what I was thinking, but yeah. I'm thinking someone, whoever picks it up may be like, oh, you said this is an MP3, it's not. Right, right. Or the player may be smart enough to say, oh, I can peek in the... Oh, yeah, that's really... Yeah. Uh, that might so, work, okay. actually. That, if, the, if the HT access thing fails, meaning the server's ignoring that file, uh, try it with, with that. That's a, that's a, good, uh, that's a good idea. It, it, like John said, though, it's really up to the client at that point, i.e. your web browser, to be smart enough to say, "You wait, yeah, okay, it's not really an MP3, but I know what to do with it anyway, so I'll figure it out. Uh, that would sort of be catch-as-catch-can. Non-optimal, but perhaps might work. Mm. Eh, can't hurt. What's the worst that could happen? You could blow up the world. <laughs> crash the internet. Oh, I don't want to crash the inner tubes. No. <laughs> I always used to love that when I was doing tech support for a living and somebody would mm. call me and say, uh, the internet's down. 
guy. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Can you call the internet help desk? Yeah, what's the number for that? I need that sometimes. Mm. It's not working so well. Terry writes, I wanted to update. Uh, let's see. Now I have a new problem. Uh, I rented. <laughs> yeah, I'm skipping all the other stuff here. I recently <laughs> rented Notes on a Scandal and The Queen from Netflix. I was surprised and confused when the SuperDrive on my MacBook rejected them almost immediately. They never appear on the desktop or in the Finder. Even if you have disk utility open, they won't appear there. Now, I like to watch DVDs on my MacBook as I commute, so this presents a problem. I wrote Netflix, and the second time around, they imparted the information below. And they said, I have researched these titles a bit further and found out that the problem may be due to a new technology. It's not a new technology. Called Regional Coding Enhancement, or RCE. RCE is being implemented by some studios for security purposes. It ensures that Region 1 discs will only play in Region 1 DVD players. If these discs play fine in your DVD player but are not recognized by the DVD software of your laptop, I would suggest upgrading your software to ensure that it's the most recent version. The uh, version. Contact the technical support department for either your DVD software or your notebook manufacturer if you continue to experience problems. Uh, uh, okay, so the issue here is... These DVD regions, presumably, let's let's assume that this is the problem that you're experiencing. When uh, so, what these regions are is when they sell a DVD in Europe, they might sell it at one price point and release it on a certain day. When they sell it in Japan, they might you know do the same thing, different day, different price. In the U.S., you know, alternative price, different day. They don't want you to order a DVD from Japan and play it here in the U.S. and vice versa. So they tell the DVD player, or they tell the DVD, they put it right on there. They say, you will only work in region, in DVD players that are specific to your region. Now, every DVD player sold uh, has a region code programmed into it. Well. Yeah, okay, fine. Most, you know, most consumer-grade ones do. Uh, and it's... Region 1 is the U.S. Now, I'm not sure where Terry is, and I don't know that I know. Terry's got a Mac.com address, so I'm not sure what country Terry is in. So uh, I'm going to guess, though, that Terry is not in the U.S. or at the very least purchased uh, his or her MacBook outside of the U.S. And as such, the MacBook is encoded with a different region. So uh, if that's the case, or is, is programmed with a different region... Because if that's the case, it's going to spit these discs out. Now, what should happen if you've got DVD player open, if you insert a disc that is set for a region other than the one your MacBook is programmed for, in my experience anyway, it pops up a little window that says exactly that and offers to let you change the region. Now you say, well, wait a minute. If I can change the region, what is this all this hoo-ha for? Well... You can only do it five times, uh, and and it used to be there used to be a caveat there. You can only do it five times unless you know the secret tricks. But as far as I know, on the new MacBooks and MacBook Pros, Matsushita is making these drives. There's no tricky firmware that you can put into them. So it it is true. You are you are stuck with being able to change it five times, and then you're done. Uh, what the Symptom Terry is seeing doesn't make sense with that, but perhaps quitting all the other apps and launching DVD player before you put the movie in might circumvent whatever you're seeing yeah. and offer to change it for you. So I wonder if he's running into something like I ran into, which is installing a new driver that inadvertently uh, mm-hmm. destroys some other functionality. Or oh yeah, it could be. Uh, I don't know because actually I've been work. It was funny. I, I actually was doing some work over the weekend trying to do some. Uh, 
encodings with FFmpeg, and it's weird because my uh, my desktop here is not supposed to support DVD plus RW, but it does. But yeah. only when I'm using uh, Toast, which is interesting because I'm interesting. like, hmm. so apparently they have some enhanced uh, yeah so drivers. Now you, you know I got one question here. Though? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, how does this help me as the consumer? Oh yeah, it doesn't. So if you're a consumer and you want to get past this, uh, in theory, you can do one of the following. Now, I don't have a new MacBook Pro. I have one of the first ones, so I, I cannot test this, so maybe somebody can tell us. But if DVD, you can use DVD player to change the region. That's the officially supported way, but you can only do it five times. I think you can use Mac the Ripper to rip the DVD to your hard drive, mm -hmm. and Mac the Ripper definitely will bypass all region encoding. Now, the way you do it is you quit all your other apps or any, any DVD-using apps, start Mac the Ripper first, then insert the disk, and it'll say, okay, look, this is region two. When I'm done ripping it, what region do you want it to have? And one of the options is none. You can say, well, just strip the region out of it, and it'll do it for you. Or uh, region zero. Is or region zero, that. that's right. That Yeah, exactly. And I also think Handbrake will do this, uh, and then create a QuickTime playable file as opposed to Mac the Ripper, which will just leave you with a DVD player or burnable file. Mm -hmm. Or you can use VLC, but uh, from what I read, VLC will only do this with the older MacBooks. It won't do it with the newer drives. So, um, and, and I guess option number four is boot into Windows and use one of the Windows apps. You know, <laughs> use Boot Camp and use one of the Windows apps to, to do it because at that point, your, your Mac's just a Windows machine, so... Yeah, now, it, you know, it just, it, it pains me, because this is the sort of thing that makes good people go bad. It is, absolutely. And, it, it you know, and the big problem is it gives us a, a, a just a socially justifiable reason to, to you know, to thwart all of this this uh, security and all these measures. It, it It's really bad. I mean, when you see, you know, people like, our parents, right, law, good law-abiding citizens, never got mm -hmm. caught, right, and and they're happy to steal music, and and uh, you know stick it to the man, and and <laughs> and and rip their DVDs and all this stuff. It, that's bad, right? Because you're setting this precedent. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it's the law, but these people are ridiculous, and therefore we can just do this. And you know what? To heck well, with them. Yeah. My parents ran into this. Is that a, you know we have some family in Germany and. Uh, uh, my aunt sent over a DVD, you know, a German movie, and uh, my mom was like, you know, it's not working. What's going on? I'm like, let me explain regions to you. And they're like, that's stupid. Now, of course, you can also, uh, I found, uh, for example, if you have a Toshiba uh, DVD drive, there's something called DVR Flash, which they make for the Mac. Right, right. Um, and, you know, if you're, you know, if your Google Foo is good, you will be able to uh Find uh, firmware that'll flash. Of course, you know you have the risk of uh, bricking your uh, your drive with these things. Right. But um, you know, there's a community of people that just feel regions are are silly and get in the way. And I I would have to agree with them that it gets in the way. Absolutely. DRM, yeah. Digital restriction management is what I like to call it. <laughs> is okay until it gets in my way. Right. And this is, now, of course, there's also different and uh, but I don't think it was a problem because you have, from what I know, three different um video formats. You have NTSC, which is uh, US and, and other places. Right. You have PAL, which I think is 50. So it's a different frequency. So uh, because I do, I, I did try to play a uh, PAL uh, DVD and that didn't work out too well. Right. And then right. CCAM, I think, is the other. Um, so, uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's the issue. All right.
Well, there you go. Uh, More than you ever wanted to know. I found a uh, a cool thing. I actually found it a while back, and uh, I've been wanting to mention it. A website called Zamzar.com, Z-A-M-Z-A-R. Some of the the more astute uh, readers or listeners who read the show notes might have noticed this in in, uh, show notes from a couple of weeks ago because I left it out there because I thought we were going to talk about it. Zamzar is a website that will allow you to convert audio, video, text, and picture files from one format to another. So if you've got a Microsoft Word document, you want to convert it to text or RTF or WordPerfect, boom, you go in there and do it. you got an audio file, you want to convert your M4A to MP3, boom, you do it. You know, Same thing with picture files, and uh, it emails the result back to you. It, it's, uh, it's actually very, very cool and very handy. I've used it a couple times since I stumbled onto it, and, uh, and it, for me anyway, it just plain works. So... Zamzar.com was the uh, was the name there. Oh, I get it. Zamzar backward is Razmas. Oh, and uh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Do now tell, John. Like, <laughs> no, I also like Sound Converter. Okay, that's um, a that's an application, not a website, right? Yes, correct. Okay. That's an application, and actually, I was doing. I, I think we mentioned this last show also, but uh, FFmpeg. Yeah, I was trying to do some video uh, conversion over the weekend, and it's uh, I found an MKV file because my recording of Heroes got all messed up. So I, I uh-huh. ventured into the the wild and woolly uh, internet there and found an M- and I didn't notice until I downloaded it MKV. Yeah. I'm like, oh, not another format. But <laughs> FFmpeg was able to convert it. The only thing I'm at, you know trying to figure out the optimum uh, parameters to get this uh, play okay on a DVD. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. I, I I know you talked about it. I never had an occasion to use it until now, and it's a it's very slick. There's another utility, John. I know you don't like a cluttered desktop, but you like to have things clean. And uh, I'd like to buy a new monitor to solve that problem. Um, well, I'll tell you why that won't work later. But uh, <laughs> but for now, you can use Clean Desk. Sam wrote in and told us about a nice little utility made by one of his friends in uh, Quebec City, Canada. CleanDesk is a nifty utility that takes all of your files on your desktop and places them in different folders according to what type of file they are. So as soon as you run this, it'll create folders for images, programs, movies, documents, and filter all your stuff that's on the desktop into these folders. Uh, Of course, once they're created, it doesn't create them again. It just keeps filtering the new stuff in when you run the program. So CleanDesk, available, well, I'll put a link in the show notes. I think there's a link through Mac update that we can use for that. So thanks, Sam. Um, you know, John, a couple of weeks ago, we did our, 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 uh, oh, and, and Sam writes into feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That, that is the, uh, the address. Or you can call, right, John? 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. So we did our, our hundredth show and I talked about, we both talked about how we had bulletin boards that ran GBBS. And, it, you know, I, I got feeling nostalgic after that show. We, we, went, we went back pretty far with that. And, uh, and I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I think I've got an old copy of, of the bulletin board I used to run. And mm-hmm. I did. I, I, uh, I, you know, I ran it on an 800K 3.5-inch disc, but I had used my Mac. I had an SE30 at the time, and I'd used my Mac to do backups of it because I could just back it up to the hard drive. And for whatever reason, I just always saved it. And I had an image of this. Now, it was a little tricky getting, extracting it out because 
the current OS doesn't support what the Apple double format, I think, is, is what those disks are in. But, uh, oh. but I, you know, so I, I started looking. Now, I ran it on an Apple IIc, and I started finding, you know, 2E and, and uh, 2C emulators. But those wouldn't do it simply because they wouldn't boot uh, a three-and-a-half-inch disk. Or I, couldn't, I couldn't find one that did. And, and quickly I thought, okay, well, what if I find an Apple IIgs emulator? Because those were three-and-a-half-inch native machines. And sure enough, I found one called Kegs, K-E-G-S. And uh, it did. It booted up the, the bulletin board and, and got to the log, like the, the main login screen and crashed. And so I had to go really deep. I, f I had forgotten all about how to use ProDOS and, and how to configure the ACOS loader for GBBS and all that stuff. But I finally did. I got through it, and I got it to the point where it, it boots up, and I can log in uh, from the console, you know, and uh, I was able to see all the messages. There were emails out there that I had never seen because the board just crashed one day. So uh, it was kind of cool to, you know, go back now, 12 years or whatever it was. Go wasn't ahead. it Cat through Catalog? Cat or Dir, yeah, D-I-R, yeah. And I think ProDOS supported that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's coming back. You know, I think it's, it's like and, riding a bicycle. It comes it was, back as it, you start... Going through it, actually, if you were in the same place, it probably would have come back even quicker. Exactly, yeah. Situational memory. I I was not at that keyboard. I was not in that house anymore. So yeah, it was very difficult. But it was one of those things where I felt like I had to, you know, if you're driving somewhere that you haven't been in like five years, and if you're listening to the radio and not really thinking about where you're going, you'll get there. But as soon as you start thinking, you're dead. Right, you you had no idea where you are, and that's how it was with this. As soon as I got a little distracted, it was like, oh yeah, it all came back. I remembered, you know, prefix comma s six comma d one, and it was like, okay, yeah, now cat, I got it. Okay, got it. Right, and I finally, I just, I just went. I had to really force myself to just let my fingers go because I had no, absolutely no memory of how to how to reconfigure GBBS. I had to go in and tell it, you know, you're on a Apple two GS now, and use the two GS clock and use a two GS modem. And that's what that's that was my stumbling block. Right now, I've got it running with no modem. However, this Kegs emulator says that it will emulate a modem on, and I love this on port six five zero two. So if you yeah, if you tell net to your Mac on port six five zero two, it should it'll emulate a ring signal. And uh, and so I thought, well, how cool would it be to to get you know the the old bulletin board just back up and running so that you know people could tell net in and we could play around with it. Well. I tried and it locks up. And I tried uh, running ASCII Express, which was another uh, mm -hmm. Apple II uh, terminal program, lets you dial out with a modem, and that locked mm -hmm. up. So if anybody, then I I emailed Ken, the, the the creator of Kegs, and he wasn't able to to help a whole lot. But uh, if any of you have used Kegs, uh, and he says it's worked, but if any if anybody out there has any experience using Kegs or any other Apple II emulator. Uh, to to get you know serial port slash modem access, I'd love to hear from you because I, it would be cool to get this working. So that's just you know, wow, yeah, very nice. Of I course, the so. joke there six five zero two. Yes, the sixty five zero two was the processor that was used in the early Apple twos. Right. Uh, usually, anything beginning with a six was a Motorola. So then, of course, you had the sixty eight thousand and all that fun stuff. Now, the other emulator I like. I don't know if you've run Mac Mame as of late. No. That's a, a console emulator, right? Yeah, may multiple arcade machine emulator. So okay. a lot of those old console games that you and I, you know, dumped <laughs> thousands of quarters into when we were yeah, wee lads. No um, you know, uh, I guess you know, there's kind of an underground in uh, 
you know, I guess it's not entirely legal, but a lot of these you can't get. So, right. you know, people have preserved the ROMs, and I guess the architecture of a lot of these were the same. So you can play, you know, your old favorites there, like uh, Burger Time. and uh, <laughs> Spy Hunter was my favorite. I like that one. Yeah, sure. <sighs> uh, you had to cool it. That you shouldn't, you, you, you were not really supposed to drive after playing that game because, you know, I mean, you're like... You know, James Bond it with, like, you know, machine guns and missiles and all that, which many of us so desperately wish for when we are actually driving on the That's road. Right. yeah. Because of all those people surrounding us that, that just... Okay. Are we done? Yeah, we're back in the present. Okay, good. That's cool, though. It's cool to take a little trip back. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of trips, next week, neither one of us is in the pocket, as it were. So, initially, we were just going to skip the show next week, John. But uh, yeah. I've got an interview with uh, one of the product managers at FileMaker. FileMaker is one of hmm. my favorite pieces of software. Uh, we use it on the back end here at, at TMO and Backbeat Media, and and it's just you know it's it's one of the little geek worlds that I live in. And uh, so this opportunity came up to talk with uh, with Ryan over there, and I'm going to try and do that this week and and get the show in the can and and maybe just have it release out next Monday. So that uh, so that there's another show out there for you folks. It'll be, of course, a departure from the normal path that we take, but uh, it'll be something. It'll, it'll be a, you know a little experiment, and uh, you can hear about you know me geek out about FileMaker a little bit and talk about how it how it can be used and that sort of thing. So that's next week uh, in September. You're portable media types. Yeah, mm. you know, I, I'm a database guy. I like databases. Strange breed. Yeah, yeah well, it, it, it caters to that OCD part of me. You know, I, I just it, it gets everything where it's supposed to be. It's very nice. And actually, now I think it's not portable. Is it New Media New Expo? Media Expo. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, <laughs> September 28th through September 30th uh, of 2007. I'll be there. Yes, you, You'll yes, be there. yes, you will. Yeah, we'll I be hope. There. Yeah, I think. I yeah, hope. I've got rooms reserved already. So. Uh, oh, we'll great. Okay. Out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then and then back on the uh, whatever the date is the twenty first I guess John and I'll be back in the in the saddle yeah. as it were yep cash be hanging with Mickey oh you're hanging with Mickey oh I'm gonna be down in Austin next yeah. week uh, not okay. with a whole lot of extra time we're bringing on a new sales rep for Backbeat Media and I want to get some FaceTime with her before uh, mm -hmm. before we get rolling so that's kind of my the catalyst for my trip but I'll catch up with some old old friends and stuff while I'm down there too. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to have time to see Bob, unfortunately. So, Aww, Dr. Uh, Bob. Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded this show. The podcast marketplace for uh, this month includes A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, but you got to click the link, and uh, PDF Pen from uh, SmileOnMyMac.com. Sorry, I got distracted there as the audio started <laughs> moving around on me. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is where you go to download this show. It's also where you go to sponsor this show. And if you have a favorite company that you would like to sponsor the show, tell them. Come visit the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And with that, we can uh, we can let the audio continue because I think we're done, John. Huh. Right? It's back. It came back. Yeah, it was, it's, you know, it's just how it goes here. <laughs> Sometimes it all doesn't work exactly the way I wanted it to. I'm thinking about trying Ubercaster. Ricky tried it, and he says he loves it. So Ubercaster. Or, or really, maybe I should just be using uh, Megaseg, but I don't know. You got something to tell him, John? Uh, I think you do. Yeah, don't get caught. Made up.